heard the, the setup to John chapter 10 that Kevin read in John 9. So, let's hear what Jesus now says in response to these people. Our text is John chapter 10, and we will look at verses um, 1 through 10. Stand with me if you would. Amen and amen. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, uh, who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, amen and amen, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. Would you do the amazing and the miraculous? And this morning, shoot a straight shot with a crooked arrow such as me. Not for my feelings of good job, but for your glory and the good of your people. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Be seated if you would. Any of you that have been in professions that are prone to have bad examples of that profession know what I'm about to say. If you've watched any of the home renovation shows, you know that people have had bad experiences with various trades, whether it be contractors or plumbers or um, carpenters or electricians. And one of the things that happens in these home renovation shows is they spend a lot of time trying to build the credibility up both of the guy who came before me and told you all the things uh, that they weren't doing their job right. But trust me, 
I'm going to do the job right. Maybe you're in uh, a service industry like repairing cars or some other sort of customer-facing industry where people come to you and are, are instinctively unsure of you because they've had bad experiences before. They've, they've learned to distrust you. Jesus here is beginning a renovation project. The text that we're looking at this morning in John chapter 10 really has two parts. There's two I am statements that Jesus makes in this uh, chapter. One of them is the one we're dealing with this morning where Jesus says, I'm the door. So Jesus is saying that the, the, the sheep pen is broken and the door itself is broken. I'm going to fix it by becoming the door. What does he mean by that? He means that the people whose job it was to declare the good news of the hope that they had in God, to say who was in and who was out, had fundamentally failed. And what he's going to say next week is, not only am I the door, but I am the good shepherd. So I need you to step into the metaphor with me for just a minute, because this, this can be a little tricky to understand, especially when Jesus talks about uh, the sheep hear a shepherd's voice. He's not talking yet about himself being the good shepherd. He's talking about other people who would say, you're in and you're out. Other gatekeepers, other tenders of God's people. This text is about what the faithful uh, response of God's people is. Next week, we'll talk about the faithful shepherd, Jesus. Now, in order for this to make sense, you've got to know that whenever you hear that key phrase in the Gospels, truly, truly, I say to you, this is not some sort of scene flashing forward to a new moment in Jesus' ministry. This is Jesus responding to something that just happened. So this is not a section break telling us about something new. This is a response making sense of what just happened. That's why I had Kevin read for you this morning what had just happened in John chapter 9. What we see in John chapter 9 is the, the, the cataclysmic fault of the shepherds, of the gatekeepers, of the ones who were controlling the flow of who gets to God's people and how God's people get out and get fed, okay? Jesus is coming in and saying, this is all broken, and it's all in response to what happens here in John chapter 9. So look with me if you would. In John, uh, in, in John 9, um, there came an opportunity for Jesus to perform a miracle. So let's also remember for just a moment what miracles actually are. Miracles are not strange interruptions of the normal world, but are rather normal interruptions of a strange world. Miracles are not strange interruptions of a normal world, but are rather normal interruptions of a strange world. They are uh, glimpses of the world as it is meant to be, the world as it is actually becoming. 
So when Jesus, in in an act of grace and mercy, comes upon a man with his disciples who was born blind from birth, his disciples had been conditioned to ask the question, somebody's at fault for this teacher, who is it? Is it him or his parents? And what did Jesus say? He said, it's, it's neither of those things. What we see afflicting this man is the way it is so that the glory of God, the goodness of God would be made manifest. The works of God, he says in verse 3, might be displayed in him. So Jesus tells the man to go and wash with mud that Jesus had created. Um, put the mud in his eyes and go wash. And what, what happens? He goes and he obeys and he comes back and he has sight. And, and the man that had been uh, able to do nothing except to beg and exist now has a new purpose, to bear witness to God. And so he goes before the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the very important ones. And there was a small problem. This miracle, while well and good, we suppose, took place on the Sabbath. And that's a big no-no. Because after all, how dare we do the things of God on God's day? And so they said something extremely interesting. This man cannot be from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. All right, so here's the the picture that's forming up here. The blind man represents, okay, he's a representative of a sheep pen full of needy people who need nothing less than the very living God himself. And the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the very important ones are the ones who were put in place to control who had access to God and who didn't have access to God, and they failed. I mean, fantastically failed. They, with all of their training and all of their knowledge and everything they knew about the prophecies and the promises of how God was going to send his chosen one to redeem Israel, missed it. They interrogated the people. They interrogated his parents. His parents said, look, he's old enough. Ask him. He can answer for himself. And they chastised him for speaking of the one who healed him. They would not hear his plain words bearing witness to the truth. And I want you to see the sheer ugly of the words that they spoke. Verse 28, and they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he came from. Look at the the truth that this man healed of his blindness spoke in verse 30. He said, well, this is an amazing thing. (laughs) You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. 
We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, that if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. He says, never since the world began has it been that, that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. They, they cast him out. Look, this is church discipline. They excommunicated him. They said, you have no more part of the people of God because you have borne witness to something that we don't like. He, this man born blind, was an example of the entire sheep of God's people who were relying on the, the teachers, the scribes, the prophets to point to the hope of the gospel, to hope the hope of the one that would come and redeem Israel. And what did they get instead? They got a bunch of people so self-righteous. So haughty and so sure of themselves that the shepherds, the ones who should have been tending the sheepfold, kicked him out. Now, the man, now healed, could see and see clearly. The religious men, the gatekeepers, the ones who had the training and the teaching and the sacred text to point them to the Messiah, missed him. How could they miss him? Well, it's simple. They saw not a healer, but a Sabbath breaker. They saw someone who broke the rules. Now, here's the first principle that I want you to see um, in this kind of big category of the failure of Israel's doors. It is, it is possible, nay, it is, it is, it is entirely likely that you can be a student of the sacred texts of Scripture and still completely miss Jesus. Okay? It is possible that you can be a student of the sacred texts of Scripture and completely miss Jesus. We can focus on parts of Scripture while missing the point of Scripture. The Sabbath was not the point of Scripture. The God who made the Sabbath was the point of Scripture. And see, so here's, the, here's the thing. All of us, all of us have a filter through which we interpret and understand the world. Every single one of us does. And unless that filter is the right one, we're going to badly miss the stuff in the same way that the Pharisees miss stuff. Okay? How do I mean by that? First of all, um, if you have a gotcha filter, right, where you're just kind of waiting for everyone to, to mess up, if that's the filter that you view the world through, that's the filter that you view the scriptures through, and all of a sudden now the scriptures become the thing that enable you to spring the trap and catch people who are stumbling and messing up and say, gotcha! Or, if your view of God is that the fundamental thread running through the whole of Scripture is that God is fundamentally ticked off at this creation and by nature you and I, 
then your application of the scriptures towards other people is that God must be as ticked off with them as you are with them. Or, more insidiously, that God is as ticked off with you as you are with you. You see, it's possible to be a student of the scriptures and miss the point of scriptures. If your view of God is a, is a get-it-together type of God, then that's going to be your filter. The scriptures are going to be nothing more than, a, than a, uh, an arduous and unfulfilling self-help project where you're always missing the mark and you're always falling short and you're always displeasing someone. And you know what they say, misery loves company. But here's the thing. To be a Jesus people is to see all of the promises and the provisions of Scripture flowing through in and out of the centrality of Christ and his cross. Jesus is our filter for interpreting, understanding, and applying God's word. If God's word doesn't make sense, you have to route it through the cross first in order to make sense of it in its proper context. That's what Jesus did on the Emmaus Road, wasn't it? He stopped the ones walking on the road and opened the scriptures to them and beginning with Moses and the prophets showed them through all of scripture how every single word pointed to him. If you're going to try and understand Sabbath, if you're going to try and understand morals, if you're going to try and understand law, if you're going to try and understand prophecy, if you're not understanding it outside of the cross, of, if you're not understanding it through the grid of the cross of Christ, you're missing it. So Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter, enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man's a thief and a robber. See, there are two types in Jerusalem. There would have been two types of sheepfolds, two types of sheep pens. One of them would have been the ones that would have been set up in the fields, out there just kind of in the wilderness with a single shepherd and a single flock, and it's kind of a crudely made one. The other one, which would have been the one that Jesus was referring to here, was a sheep pen that was a communal sheep pen. It had high walls. It probably had a professional gatekeeper where the shepherd could be known by the gatekeeper, go in, speak to his sheep. His sheep are like, that's the guy. We know him. And follow him. He says, anyone not entering the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way over, over the wall, that one is not a true shepherd at all. He's a thief and a robber. The person cl uh, climbing in another way is the person gripped by and so enforcing other important and even biblical themes, but missing the sole essential theme, both of Scripture and of life, that God has sent his Messiah, his rescuer, to redeem and resurrect needy people. So look at what the very important people did in John 9. They stole the honor of the healer, Jesus, by labeling him a heretic and a sinner. And they stole the safety and the dignity of the healed man by casting him out of the community of faith. Now this may seem like a small point, but it's a huge point. And I don't want you to miss it. And I don't want you to equivocate in your mind how it must be all those other people that David's talking about. 
Remember, as a rule, I try not to do other people's sermons. Like I said, misery loves company. If it speaks to me, it better speak to you too. The super religious, even today, under the guise of being a helper, can actually be thieves and robbers because they disrupt the work of Christ and distort the gospel. How do they do that? You're broken. We see that you're broken. And God sees that you're broken too. And your only hope for eternity is to get unbroken. So before you can come to God, you better get rid of all the ugly that's in your life. And every single one of us has some sort of person that we would want to apply that standard to. You better make that part of your, of your life go away before we can really be in communion with one another. I don't know what it is. But every single one of us, as soon as we take our eyes off of Jesus as the promise and the point and the purpose of all of the scriptures... And start to make for ourselves little gates. Jesus says, watch out because you are no longer faithfully tending as a gatekeeper. You're jumping in over the wall and you're a robber and you're a thief. You're robbing people of the only hope that they have. When you make morality the point of the Bible, you put up other doors and gates and block people from getting to Jesus. And Jesus has very strong words for that. So as I mentioned earlier, the, um, the shepherd that he talks about is a shepherd, not yet him, but is another shepherd. It's, it's one, whether it be a, a, a professional Christian such as myself. Or anyone that would bear the name of Jesus. He who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. Because this, this sermonette here in the middle of John 10 is really more about the characteristic of God's people. Are we gate people or are we wall climbers? Are we directing to the gospel of Jesus or are we distorting and damaging the gospel of Jesus? Gate people come with one message only, the good news of a savior of sinners who heals and restores and rescues and resurrects the sheep. Wall people, on the other hand, people who, who climb up over the wall are more concerned that the religious rules are followed and all the people keep their mess tiny and neat and hidden. The man in chapter 9, once healed, gave us a beautiful picture of what a gate person is like. He had nothing, he did nothing, and he got from Jesus everything. So who's the gatekeeper? In verse 3, to him, the gatekeeper opens. Probably um, it's the Holy Spirit that Jesus is going to teach his disciples a little bit more about beginning in John, uh, John 13 and 14. So what's the meaning? 
access to the Father is through the Spirit of the Lord. So here it is, the gatekeeper spirit who opens the gate, Christ, to gate people, folks like you and I, um, and gives access to the sheep. So friends, listen, if we're going to be gate people and presume to point people to God and come to the people of God, do so through the gate, Christ, and trust that the gatekeeper, the Holy Spirit, will open a way to the people of God so that the people will, in fact, listen to the song of the shepherd. Here's another problem. Another flaw with the gate people of Israel, another failure of the doors of Israel. They took no interest at all in personally knowing the sheep. What was this man? He was an outcast. He was blind. He had nothing. Now he sees and he's cast out of the community of faith. Because the human condition is still the human condition. We just want to be around our kind. We don't know what to do with not our kind. Gate people are personally interested in the sheep of God. They know their name and lead them out. Um, this is a gate person, whether they're a pastor, an elder, a deacon, or just a Christ follower. We're personally interested in the ones that God is personally interested in. Who are you not personally interested in? Who's the one that in your mind needs to take a long walk off a short pier? gives us the right to think that if we're not interested in them, God isn't either. How do gate people live? By pointing to the door of Jesus. What does the door do? What does the door do? The door is two ways. It protects things that shouldn't be in the sheep pen from getting in. And it is the only way out through which the sheep can find safe pasture to graze. It keeps things that shouldn't be in from getting in. It keeps things that, uh, it keeps the sheep going out to the safe places where they can find pasture. So here's the here's a story that I read this week. Um, there's a story that says when uh, uh, G. Campbell Morgan was traveling across the Atlantic Ocean uh, on a steam vessel, he noticed among the passengers um, that also on the ship was Sir George Adam Smith, one of the most famous Old Testament scholars at that time. And so one of the greatest preachers of that day, Pastor Morgan, and one of the greatest Old Testament scholars of that day, Dr. Smith, had a great time as they traveled together. Morgan said that uh, among the tales that 
um, Sir George told him of the East was this one. He was one day traveling with a guide and came across a shepherd and his sheep. He fell into conversation with them, and the man showed him the fold into which the sheep were led at night. It consisted of four walls with a way in. Sir George said to him, that's where, the, that's where they go at night. Yes, said the shepherd, and when they are in there, they are perfectly safe. But there's no door, said Sir George. And the shepherd responded to him, I am the door. Now, he wasn't a Christian. He wasn't, he wasn't speaking as a, as a Christian and, and alluding to the Old Testament. He was telling you a fact of the job. I am the door. He was speaking from the Arab shepherd's standpoint. Sir George looked at him and said, what do you mean by the door? Said the shepherd, when the light has gone and all the sheep are inside, I lie in the open space and no sheep ever goes out but across my body. And no wolf comes in unless he crosses my body. I am the door. Jesus said, because they were stumbling to understand this figure of speech. Verse 7. So Jesus said again to them, truly, truly, amen and amen, I say to you, I, I am the door. He was saying that in order to go into the fold, you come through him. In order to go to pasture and feed, you go through him. You see, gate people are not only safe in that they point only to the gospel of Christ as the way to get to God, but they also faithfully feed the sheep with the gospel of Christ as the way to be nourished and sustained by God. Jesus says the ones that came before him are the ones who set themselves up as authorities, as, as gatekeepers. Verse 8, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Here, were the, here are what the thieves and the robbers were doing. They were the ones who said, we know the Bible talks about a hope for the hopeless and the Messiah, but the Bible has other, much more pressing matters, matters of morality and matters of rules and matters of obedience, as if our deepest problem were being a kinder, nicer, and gentler people. But in Matthew's gospel, Jesus pronounces a set of woes, and he says, woe to them, the phonies who lock people out of the kingdom of heaven. Not only do you not go in yourselves, he says to the phony ones, but when others want to go in, you try and deflect them. Because realistically, who we listen to who our filter is, is of paramount importance. If your filter is a gotcha filter, you're going to be a gotcha person. If your filter is a God's mad at the world and at me filter, you're going to be a mad at the world and mad at yourself person. Take that from one who is not only the president, but also a client.
If your filter is that the deepest problem of the world is we just need to get back to our good Christian morals, then that's going to be the grid, the filter through which you see the world. But if you're convinced down in your heart that you had nothing and that once you were blind but now you see and you have been healed and ransomed and redeemed and rescued by Jesus, then he becomes the filter through which all of the promises and the provisions and the prophecies of Scripture flow in and through and that becomes your filter to the world. You did nothing and you were given everything. Jesus offers a promise of Scripture which is surely sweeter and more certain than anything the thieves and robbers could ever offer. If anyone enters via Jesus, not only can they count on being safe, but they will find continual access to the nourishment that will ever satisfy and never disappoint. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is the only entry point to the teaching of the Bible. Jesus is the only entry point into the life of the church. Jesus is the only access point to the nourishment of the Bible. If you're going to feed on the promises of Scripture, you only feed on them through Him. And our freedom to enjoy fellowship with God and abundant life on this earth is only through the access granted to us by none other than Christ Jesus Himself. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That doesn't mean, friends, that your life has to wait and start at the resurrection of the dead. Your life in him and the abundance, therefore, in it starts now. Verse 10, again, there's, there's two different missions of gate people and wall climbing people. Wall people think they have God quite figured out. They don't think they're killing people. They think they're doing them a service. That's what's so deceptive about this. Do you think the Pharisees were back at some secret club having themselves a good old laugh over all the ways they were distorting the truth of God? No. (laughs) They thought they were doing it right. There was no secret plan to distort the kingdom. They thought they were doing it right. They had God figured out. But in so doing, they were killing people. But they didn't think they were killing people. You and I don't think we're killing people if we just want people to behave a little bit more morally. And we just want people to get it together a little bit more. Maybe stop shooting up quite as many schools. Our biggest problem is not failed morals. That's a result of our biggest problem. The result of our biggest problem is the fruit of the problem. The root of the problem is that we have become alienated from the God in whose image we were made. The only remedy for the problem is to be remade and resurrected by the God whose Son 
bore our image and likeness and curse and death and judgment and destruction and rose on the third day for the remission of sins and the salvation of God's people. And in him and through him and only through him might we have access to the living God because Jesus said, I, I am the door. The effect of wall climbers by offering something other than or less than Christ himself is to rob and kill and destroy. Jesus said, gate people that point people to him are the ones that enjoy life and freedom and abundance. On the home improvement shows, they have to convince wary homeowners to trust them, to spend the money. Things in your house really are as bad as we say they are. And even though the fix-it-up chappy that came here before said that he could get it done for cheap, it's going to cost a lot more than that. Because the problem's all the way down in the foundation. And you know the way the story goes. They trust the new contractor. They hand over untold sums of money and come and cry at the beauty of the home now restored. Jesus said here in the beginning um, that it's a mess. And you may have had others that had come before that said that they had access to God, but they were wrong. They weren't trying to help you. They were trying to kill you. The renovation was going to be much more costly So here's my question for you this morning. What's your filter? What's your grid? How do you, how do you fundamentally view God, his Bible, his word, his son, the world around you? Are you a, are you a gate person or are you a wall climber? And be aware that though the answer may be one thing today, it doesn't have to be that one thing. You may be here today and you've realized that you're a wall climber through and through. All you want is people to just behave and be nice. Or that your view of God is distorted and it's led to a distorted lens of viewing the scriptures. The good news for you today, friend, is that you don't have to be that way. God has made the today the day where life can be different for you. You can see that everything flows in and out of the person and work of Jesus. And that God changes people, even the ones like you and I, the ones who are angry and the ones who are sad and the ones who just want people to behave a little nicer. There's also a watch out, though, because today... You may be a gate person. Don't get comfortable. It's amazing how easily the Peters in the room go from one day being fine to the next day hearing the unfortunate call of a rooster and didn't even realize the shift was happening. No, the good news, friends, is that um, Jesus, the door, 
has made way for us to come to God and be led out into safe pasture because it was Jesus himself that was put outside the walls of the sheep pen for the wolves to come and devour. He was the devoured one so that you and I would be the delivered one. I, I am the door.